from New York City. A podcast from working actors, directors, and playwrights. This is the Cry Havoc Company. Hello, and welcome to the Cry Havoc Podcast. Today around the table we have... Jennifer Riker, I'm a writer. Jenny Curlin, I'm an actor. Matt Cowart, I'm a director. Jennifer Kerfman, I'm an actor and a director. And Kit Lavoy, I'm a director and a playwright. Today, we're starting a new series um, of episodes on specific elements of storytelling in a play and in a production. We have done many episodes about writing and directing and acting and approaches to a play or a production as a whole. But in this series, we're going to look at special kinds of moments that exist in a play or a production. Things like beginnings and endings and transitions and act breaks and talk about ways that actors, writers, and directors, and specifically the actors, writers, and directors around the table, think about those moments, think about them differently from other kind of moments in the play, and how they approach them to make them function in the most effective way possible. Today, we're going to start this series by talking about beginnings. Uh, Beginnings are obviously very important to a production and to a play. Uh, I'm reminded of the story of A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, which uh, when it was on the road before it moved to Broadway, it was having a lot of trouble working the way that they were trying to get it to work until one night they added a new opening number, Comedy Tonight, which is what it currently has, and suddenly the whole rest of the show began functioning much more the way they wanted it to be, not because that had changed, but because they had finally found the right beginning to introduce the evening in the right way. So we're today going to be talking about the way that we think about the beginnings of shows, the way that we approach them as actors and writers and directors. Uh, And for our purposes here, we're talking about effectively the first two to five minutes of a play. And also, I'm sure we'll put some special focus on that moment immediately after the lights come up or the curtain rises on a show. So to start out, uh, let's talk about the way that writers think about and approach the beginning of a play. What do you guys think is most important from a writer's point of view about the beginning of a play? I think for me, and it's probably true for directing also, but for me the beginning of the play is about setting the world. Specifically the opening moment to the nth degree, but also the rest of the first few minutes until the point when it changes it's about establishing where you are and who is there and what's going on and what's important to them. And you might not have all the detail of that, but it's, it's important to have the shorthand version of like opening your eyes and this is what you see when you enter this world. This is the place that they are and this is the tone and this is how people feel. and. You have to do that all very quickly so that you can get into the rest of the story. For me, it's often, you know, setting that tone of whatever is the status quo and then breaking it within the first two to three minutes 
So the, you know, the first couple minutes is about establishing what was before, what we're coming into. Yeah, I think that's incredibly important, that idea of setting the world that's going to be broken by the play. And I think a lot of ways about setting expectation that you hopefully are later going to break in the play also for what's going on. I actually have found it, and in in thinking about it, knowing we were doing this episode and going back over the plays that I've written, I have actually found that I really try very hard to let that moment of status quo last for as short a period as humanly possible. And that idea of, you know, something that we talk a lot about when we're writing is that idea of trying to drop the needle on the story as late as possible so that the audience can still understand what happens. And obviously you have to get, you have to have some idea of what it is that was happening before the play begins that that then makes it interesting that the play happens, that makes it unusual that the play happens. Because obviously plays happen... Uh, interesting plays happen in extraordinary times of people's lives. That's why in the span of a person's life, you write about this little section because it's extraordinary. But I, I try very hard to drop that needle as late as possible so it is effectively the second beat of the play that begins the change. And I, I've actually found it's it's a very, a very interesting pattern looking back at my plays that in the full-length plays, Almost all of them, that change happens with the introduction of either a new person or the long-since return of someone into somebody's life. Um, And so, you know, my, my play Makes Three, for example, begins very specifically in the stage direction with someone is sitting watching the news in the morning, eating their cereal, getting ready for work. And and it's written to be a very day-to-day you know, what she does every day moment. Then there's a knock on the door, the door opens, and it's somebody who is the last person in the world she expected to see show up at her door. But it really is that second beat where that change happens. It's actually the same beginning moment as your short screenplay, Rainbow Rabbit Reliant, too. That's actually true. She's eating cereal, watching TV in the morning, and gets a knock on the door. That's really interesting. Huh. Well, I actually found that I had very similar moments in two of my plays when I was preparing to talk today, that two of my plays have, even though they are in very different settings, um, one is sort of a, like the opening status quo is sort of a romantic setting, and then uh, that's uh, my play Just Julian, and then the other play is Mikey Wears Braces, which is sort of a back alley bar kind of rock setting. Both of those moments are broken by someone crawling through a window. Like, that's the beginning of the play, is when this girl crawls through a window. And it's, and they're very similar characters, frankly, so it's like, I just have girls crawling through windows. That's how my play starts. So set up whatever's going on, shoot a girl through the window, and go. <laughs> and it's interesting that one of them is crawling into the window and one is crawling out that's of the true. window. There, there was a little bit of a difference, but... But it was like there was this this setting, this setting of the tone, and other people were there. But then someone enters who wasn't supposed to be there from a way that they weren't supposed to enter. So they're disrupting what was going on already. Yes, I also find, again, looking back at, at things that I've written, is that there very often is a moment of solitude and stillness 
that begins a play that 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 then is broken again with the entrance of 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 something new and certainly there's that beginning of makes three that that i mentioned my play sunshine begins actually with someone asleep alone in a room and then somebody walks in and begins watching them sleep and then the alarm goes off and it's sort of that that moment of where you're watching and thinking this is something that is normal and recognizable and then something very unusual happens very quickly i also think it's it's interesting too when it's something that when the unusual thing that happens is something that we know is unusual because of the reaction of the character rather than because it is the police burst through the door or something like that that um you know that idea of again in in uh sunshine it's a moment of someone sleeping somebody comes in from the bathroom brushing their teeth watching her we assume it's her boyfriend assume it's her husband and then when she wakes up and sees him it's in that reaction that they both have that we realize there is something more going on than we thought and i also think that's a really 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 critical thing of the beginning of a play is to set that first dramatic question very early that something happens that the audience has to say wait a minute what is that about so the audience from the very beginning needs to begin actively watching the play instead of just letting it pour over them i think that's pro- that's true as a director i will talk about too i think but but as a writer i certainly try as much as possible to really create opening moments where something happens that immediately makes the audience have to start deducing and have to start figuring out what it is that's happening and and it's something that we have talked about before is the idea of plays as an information delivery system that idea that audiences experience the story of a play based on the order in which they got their information and based on the information that they know the characters have when they are uh acting in a in a moment in a play and i try very hard in terms of trying to make the play as cohesive as possible to make those opening moments really depend on information that we will not get until later in the play and so to have behavior that is written into what happens in those opening moments that don't totally make sense given what the audience knows and therefore it makes the audience need to start paying attention to start figuring out from the very beginning what it is they don't know and again to make it an active experience by not just withholding information but make the beginning of the play function in a way that it is important that that information exists that these characters know this information that the character when she wakes up in bed knows who that is who's watching her sleep even if we don't so that when we see her reaction to seeing that person watch her sleep we realize there is more to this play than is going to be hand delivered to me i as an audience need to start working and becoming an active participant in the play from the very beginning yeah i think that the idea of having the audience wonder is what you know the strong need the dramatic tension like the what's the dramatic question is important to bring as early as possible and i think that's something that i work on because i sometimes have 
things that you're wondering, like that you think something else might be going on, but it may not necessarily be about the dramatic question of the play. It might be about these two people and what their relationship is. I definitely want to like have pulled out a few of the threads so that the whole thing is not there readily apparent, but it may not be specifically about the conflict of the play yet. And so usually my task is bringing the conflict closer to the beginning and pulling out more of the beginning so that it compacts itself and so that we get to the conflict of the play more quickly. But I do often rely on uh, having people get interested in the play, not necessarily about the specific conflict of the play, but about the people who are in it and what their relationship is and who they, what they mean to each other. And that has to do with the conflict of the play, but I, I just enjoy having it be more about the, the character relationships that makes you interested in what they are about rather than necessarily what's wrong right now. But, uh, you know, eventually, very quickly, you have to get to what's wrong and what, why do they need to deal with each other for the next 30 to 120 minutes. It's interesting because the beginnings of the two plays that I've written start with a misdirection where uh, the characters, there's two characters and they're fighting, but you think they're fighting about something other than what they're actually fighting about. In one play, it's this couple and you think they're fighting over their son, Sam, and then you learn later that Sam is actually the dog. In my other play, The West Wing, you think these characters are fighting over, you know, frankly, President Barack Obama, and then you learn they're fighting over a President Pigeon. I think the beginnings of both of those plays actually work terrifically well, and, and in large part because they're so effective at setting an expectation for the audience of where the play is going to go. And that actually really is an incredibly important part of the opening moments of a play, is to, is to set the audience on a trajectory, to make them understand where they're headed. Sometimes so that they know where they're headed, and also sometimes, as in the case of those two plays, so that they can be surprised by where you take them instead. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of times it's, it's a more interesting place to end up when you think you've been going someplace else than when you just amble into someplace. And so that idea of really trying early on to let the audience know what this play is going to do and then decide whether or not that's actually what, what you're going to do with mm -hmm. the play. And I think that's really important. I keep... Twelfth Night keeps coming to mind because at the beginning of Twelfth Night, Viola, for you know, because of the shipwreck that she's been in, she she chooses to dress as her brother because for whatever reason that seems to be the the only option she has. And I feel like in that in that opening of that play, I really I really need to understand that setup. I really need that that on ramp to be able to care about the rest of the play and to understand why in the world she's making this choice and what, what the stakes of that choice are so that then I can put that aside and take the rest of the journey of the play. Another thing that beginnings can do, which is an extension of the idea of setting story expectation, is it can also be very important to set stylistic expectations in the play, especially if your plays are going to have 
unusual rules to set those rules up early on, or at least what's important about those rules up early on. Um, I mean, you think about our town. It begins with the stage manager coming out and saying, this is Our Town by Thornton Wilder. It was directed by Matt Cowart and will feature Jenny Curlin. That there's something about the nature of that that sets up very clearly this is going to be a device in the play. Be prepared. I have a feeling in that play, if you'd had a scene and then the stage manager had come out, you certainly could do that, but it would be a different sort of task to get the audience on board with the stylistic nature of it. And similarly, um, uh, Angels in America starts off with the rabbi speaking at a funeral. And I think that that's a really useful and interesting way to start that play because one, it gets a lot of the thematic ideas out there. Two, it prepares you for a play that you're going to sit and listen to smart people talk about things. And even though the rest of the play actually has a lot of dramatic conflict in it, there is something about priming the audience for you really have to listen to the words of the arguments that these people are making. It's actually probably the most static moment in the whole play, but it prepares you for what's about to come. And also the fact that the rabbi is played by a woman prepares you for the fact that we are going to be playing a little bit fast and loose with who is playing what characters and people who are going to be playing multiple characters and that that's a meaningful idea in the play rather than simply something that's done for casting efficiency. Do you guys find when you're writing a play that the beginnings change much as you go through drafts, or is that a part of a play that tends to stay as it is? I find that the opening stage direction tends to, I mean, with very minor like tweaks to add in information that needed to be there, and I neglected to mention it, someone points it out later, and I'm like, oh, I'll just put that in the beginning. But generally, the opening stage direction, which is like my opening stage picture, as much as it's appropriate to kind of tell the reader or the director what the world is in the stage direction, they tend to be very long for opening stage directions. Um, that pretty much stays the same. That could even be up to half a page, which is really too long for an opening stage direction. But like the rest of the first five pages might have been originally seven to ten pages and I just carve and carve and carve until it compresses and compresses the action so that only the essentials so that there's no like stray loose moments of fluff in the beginning because you need to get people with you immediately and keep them and any little moment that takes them away from the play or doesn't serve the forward action um, gets cut. So generally the the bones stay the same, but it compresses. I did, however, find one example of a play that I'm currently working on where I, I made an attempt to drop the needle about halfway through the play. I actually like cut the first 10 pages and started 10 pages in. It's a play called Intelligence. Um, that I'm working on as part of our Dylan project. And the, 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 the one of the problems that I was working through with the play is that it kind of was two plays, a play until we learned a piece of information and then a play after we learned that piece of information. So I was making an attempt to 
have a single tone or play by cutting the beginning part and starting where sort of the meat of the conflict is clear to the audience and everyone's on the same page. I actually went back and read both versions because I realized that, that that was a significant cut. And I still like the first one. So it's hard for me because I like, it has that long moment of I idyllic life and the expectation of someone lying in a bed in a hotel. And then, it, you know, and it ramps up. It's much slower than the second version, which like is someone throwing an ashtray. And I, it, it makes me want to go back to that version, but I have to remember, because I haven't been working on it very recently, but I'll, I'll be getting back to it soon, why did I make that cut? And if there's a way to bring, to compress instead of cut it, rather than, you know, just to get my story told. So like, this is one that actually has two very different possible beginnings, and that's a new thing for me. Well, it's an interesting question, that idea of that new piece of information that's dropped in the play that you were talking about, whether that is something that belongs in this episode about beginnings Mm -hmm. or will belong in the episode on reversals that we will do later on or whether it it belongs in the episode about act breaks. All right, then, let's let's talk a bit now about directing and uh, how a director thinks about the first moment and then first few moments of a production. What is important about the way a production begins to a director? Well, when we were talking about playwriting and writing a play, a lot of uh, words that we were using were like rules, vocabulary, the world of the play. And when I'm directing a play, I like to think about how can the initial moments set up the rules of the world for the audience? What play are we in? Are there props? Are we miming all the props? Is there a set? It's the chance for the audience to begin to acclimate themselves to the world of the production. Um, And, you know, certainly you can be setting up rules that are broken later. there's, um, I just worked on a production of Sweeney Todd with the New York Philharmonic, and the opening moments were that of a very fancy concert where the actors came out and stood at music stands. And then over the course of the opening number, the concert hall was deconstructed and a, um, a revenge flash mob riot basically happened during the opening number. And graffiti was revealed on the walls and the music stands were thrown away and off into the wings. Um, But ultimately, that was in service of telling the story that this production is going to be a revolution. Uh, And so while the opening moments were very prim and proper, by the end of the opening, that story had begun to be told. I think that's a a very interesting example and was a a fantastic opening uh, to to a production. And it, it sort of underlines something that I find sort of interesting about the difference between directing and the way a director thinks about something and the way a writer thinks about something. Because, as I said, as a writer, I try very hard to keep that moment before things change as short as possible, as tight as possible. Hopefully the first line of the play is going to be some major moment of change. But as a director, I find, and even when I'm directing those plays that I wrote where I work so hard to do that, that I try to extend and build that moment of the moment before the storm. That that becomes really important in production to make that moment incredibly clear. 
Because again, I think as a writer, all you need is that one moment. As a director, you've got to make sure that moment lands incredibly clearly about exactly what it is that's happening. And so, you know, I, I think about a play that I wrote and then directed called uh, Good Enough, which we've actually talked about here. But the very beginning of it is this girl's in her... It's about this girl who's visiting her uh, fiancé's family. She is in a bedroom where she's staying for the night. And basically the play opens with the stage direction. She pulls on her nightgown, begins to get in bed. There's a knock on the door. The door opens and he comes in. And that's the beginning of the play. It literally is two sentences. But it actually was something when I've directed it, what I tried to do was create this whole world of her getting ready for bed and where she's got her her headphones in and she's listening to music and we hear the music she's listening to and she's careening around and getting dressed and getting changed. And part of it as is actually something that, you know, we've actually... I've talked about this in another episode before, but I think it's apt for this, which is one of the things that that play deals with is is sexual abuse, and this girl who you find out over the course of the play um, was a victim of sexual abuse, and there's a moment late in the play where she is actually uh, undressed, but part of what's happened is by, by the point of that play, the audience does not want to look at her because they identify her as someone who has already been victimized and they don't want to pile on to that. But part of what we really tried to do at the beginning of that play in that section that's covered by two sentences in a stage direction was she's getting ready for bed and it's just you keep almost seeing her. And then she turns and pulls on her nightgown. She turns and does things. And it's sort of that idea of setting up the audience to look at her as a sex object at the beginning so that they cannot separate themselves from the action when you realize what being objectified has done to her in the past. But again, it was that moment of taking that very specific single moment that the writer provided and really trying to make it into the most robust version of that moment so that, frankly, we could then begin running into the action of the play as fully and quickly as possible knowing we have clearly established the status quo that we're breaking out of at the beginning of the play. It's interesting because just thinking about the differences between the moment of a written play and the moment of a production, the, I mean, the, the facts are that there's an audience who's come from somewhere else. They might be taking up their coats and there's like friends that they were talking to and they you know did they get to sit together and there's all these things that they're coming to and then they're going to participate in watching this play and you have to get them to pay attention to you in a much stronger way than if I hand you my play and say can you read this I just have to get you to like start reading it you know you, you know, maybe you need to be in a quiet place and mm -hmm. focused or something but if you've committed to reading the play, you are controlling the speed at which you enter the play. But for an audience, as a group of many people, you have to get all their attention at once mm -hmm. and, and so that they get quiet and listen as a collective activity. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I often think, you know, the play begins, it lights up. 
but the production begins the moment the audience enters the theater. And I spend a lot of time thinking about how can we slowly begin them to stop think about thinking about that roast they had for dinner and thinking about the world of the play. Uh, and that's, you know, there's sometimes it's very easy, you know, certain music playing in the house. You know, do they see the set? Do they not see the set? Is it hidden in some way? You know, if it's, um, are they sitting on the set? You know, are they immediately thrust into a world that is more fully created and all around them? Um, because by the time Lights Up happens, I want them to all be primed and ready for this experience and not still going, ooh, that, that roast was delicious. I think with, with my opening stage direction, I think I, I mean, I'm not describing a set, I'm describing a world because I'm talking about characters and people and then it will be staged. Um, but I think that idea that people could be looking at a set or a set could appear to them, that's what I'm trying to describe in that opening moment. And you, of course, as a director, have a choice of revealing it or not revealing it, revealing it in an instant or revealing it over time. So even though my stage direction is a paragraph to half a page, they could be sitting with it for half an hour getting into that moment and it wouldn't need more than one second after the play began to get to my disruptive moment. But that's a choice that a director can make. And I think that there's so much of what's important about the beginning is to really be sure, I mean, you were saying, Matt, that the play really, or the production really begins before the lights come up. But that idea of once the action of the plays begins, once the lights come up, to really be sure the play has started. To really be sure that there isn't the first two minutes of people ambling through life before it begins to get interesting. And that idea, again, of in the production, get people to lean in as early as possible. And I think what I find a, a very helpful way to think about that is to really find the ways to wind up the potential energy of the show. You know, to present things that an audience can see and say, this is something I need to pay attention to. This is something that that I'm going to have to do some work to do. Sometimes to give the audience to give the audience's imagination time to run away with them a little bit. There was a, a, a production I directed a while ago called Birth of Punk by Ben Rosenthal, which was a, a new play. And it was a play that was basically about this woman uh, who lived in Greenwich, Connecticut, inherited her family's house. Her sister had been missing for years, and basically her sister and her boyfriend, both of whom are heroin addicts at this point and part of the punk scene in the 70s, show up at her house to reunite but really to get her money. But then really being together makes things complicated and interesting. It's a terrific play. Um, but the opening moment of the play just says, it's night, there's a knock on the door, and someone saying, Jane, 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 and Jane comes and opens the door. And then actually the boyfriend like jumps out and scares her, and they think it's a joke, but it terrifies the, the sister who lives in the nice house. But what we ended up deciding to do for the production was it wasn't part of the play, but we decided one of the really interesting things about the reunion element would be to set it around Christmas time. So it was like the lights came up and it was at night, but with sparkling lights and the Christmas tree and very nice. And we had this very ethereal, silent night with this very deep bass sound underneath it that just sort of like, and we were sitting in this empty room with this music and just sort of like left the audience for about 30 seconds. Like, what is going to happen in this nice house with this music at night? And then the bang on the door started. And it was just something that, 
I think it, it was very effective in terms of rather than at the beginning saying, audience, this is what you have to do to be like, audience, strap in, take a minute, get scared, and now we're going to give you a reason to be. You know, Because there's a lot of times, well, it's just a general thought about things, which is that audiences, along with their roast that they ate before they came, they're going to bring all of their preconceptions and all of their life experience with them. And it is something that no matter how you direct or write or act a play, the audience is an actor in it too. The audience is go. You can show a group of 50 people the same exact play and they're going to have 50 different experiences of it. And that's just part of what it is. But it can be useful, I think, to consider whether you want the opening of the play to be about letting them stew in the stuff that makes them individually them or to try to do something to unify the groups as quickly as possible into the world of the play. There's a show, and, and Matt, you talking about kind of the world of the play, like as they enter. There, uh, Once the musical, I feel mm. like, does a fantastic job of that, where basically you can enter, you know, a half hour before the show starts, technically, and... You know, there's a bar on stage, and there's people playing music, and it's it's a real, like, jam session before the actual show starts, and p- getting people into the music and into the vibe of, of what the, the musical will be before it starts. And then it's interesting how they navigate actually starting the production, where the actors who have been playing on stage with the audience all around them, you know, start to kind of drift away or whatever, and it's it feels like a very natural start um, to to the production after you've had this audience participation uh, for for so long beforehand, mm-hmm. and actually it's that's so important to the production that uh, the company I work for we tour we tour it we tour uh, Broadway shows and that's one of the ones we tour and it's it's a real negotiation with each venue in terms of making sure that is part of the production it's so important to the creatives that that remain part of the entity of this that um, I mean you have to deal with all the different venues and making sure they can serve liquor on stage or you know what they you know some of them just serve soda or water but there's still that experience of going up in stage and having something to drink and being there with the actors and they have to make sure at, you know at certain venues that there's railings up so that no one falls off or that they have extra you know front of house staff there to help navigate that and it really is a big back and forth with each venue that we go to but it's so important to everyone involved that it's worth that uh, extra work because it's such an important part of the piece. I also think actually an interesting example of a beginning of a play to talk about is actually one that you directed, Jenny, Mm -hmm. last summer, which was uh, called Cat for Short. But one of the things that was very interesting in that was it was actually a one act that was paired an evening with a one act that Jen Kerfman uh, had directed. But it was something, I thought you did something that was really smart because we were coming out of another play and you not only had to get people to forget the dinner they just had, but also to forget the play they had just watched. Mm -hmm. And, you know, something that you had was that you actually made the choice because the play takes place on a stage after a show. And you decided you were going to use the set of Jen's show as the set of the show 
that it took place on. But uh, so the thing that I thought was really brilliant about it was the lights came down in between. People were clapping for Jen Show, and then what you had was had somebody who played the stage manager fire up a uh, a vacuum cleaner in the darkness, and the lights came up, and they were on the stage vacuuming up and picking up set pieces off, and it was just something that so clearly declared itself, which I think is probably the best way to describe what that did. And, 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 I, and I think, again, really set up the world of your play, but also really, again, demanded attention from the thing that they'd been watching before. And I do... It was also a, a tricky beginning, too, because that's what initially um, really excited me about the piece, is that kind of opening moment and how I could connect it to uh, the piece that Jen Kirkman directed. But also, I needed to very quickly make it clear that they weren't reflecting on that play because in the course of that short play, they're talking about the play that they had just seen. And I also, I was nervous that people would think they were talking about Party Girl, which Jen Kirkman directed, and not about the play that actually happens that they're talking about. So that was kind of a tricky, tricky navigation, I remember. Does the beginning of the play tend to change for you uh, through the process of the play, or um, is it something that your initial conception of what the beginning should be tends to stick? Well, I don't know that I always know what the beginning of the play is when I start working on a show, or at least I don't know what the beginning moments of the play should be. Uh, and, Kit, I think your example of directing good enough is a great one of how I sometimes find what the beginning moment of a play is, where, you know, you wanted a moment later in the play where the audience was ashamed of seeing her as a sexual object and the best way to achieve that moment is by at the beginning of the play having them see her as a sex object so often you know it'll just be a big kind of question mark for me as i'm working on the play and whether it's with the designers or with the actors kind of discovering ah this is the moment in the play that has to pay off more than any other moment how can we bury this in the beginning of the play is the way that uh, I find the beginnings of most of the plays I'm working on. Yes, I mean, I, I think that actually really strikes on the really critically important thing is you want to be sure that the beginning of your production is the beginning of your production, is that it is, a, it is not just the thing that happens when, this, when the, the curtain raises, but it is fundamentally a statement, a thesis statement in some way, about what the play is. And it might be a thesis statement you can't fully understand until you get more information later on. But I mean, I always like to think that if somebody were to come back and see the play again, the opening moment would mean something different mm -hmm. to them than it means to them on a first viewing. I've been recently working on a new musical, and so this is this is a little bit about what's in the writing at the beginning as well as the production at the beginning. Um, but we've been we went through multiple versions of the opening number. Um, the The song never changed, but the um, the the prologue and the scene that sets up the song has changed four times or so. The staging of the musical number changed four or five times um, because because that on-ramp to the show was so important that we we you know in building a new a new show we had to find what what was going to launch the play forward and help us uh, 
establish who our, our lead character was and to help us figure out, you know, set up the tone of, of, of the show, set up the, um, the world of the play. And it was, it's, you know, it was a really, a constant, not even a struggle, but really a huge collaboration with the writer and all of the actors and all of the designers to figure out how are we going to set up this whole production based on the ways that the that the show it was evolving throughout you know throughout the show based on the ways that the later moments were changing based on the information that um, we were learning as the you know the entire script was evolving we had to keep going back and redoing the opening to make sure that it was the opening to the show that we were now doing yeah, Jen, uh, talking about, you know, an opening number of a musical needing to set up the show that you're about to do, you know, in mus- I mean, musicals as well as plays, obviously, the opening is so vitally important to establishing both the tone of the show and I find the vocabulary of the way the set will work. So, mm-hmm. you know, in an opening number, if you are doing a show that has lots of things flying and scenery trucking on and off... I think it's important that in the opening number, those things begin to happen. Not that you have to show everything you can do, but you need to establish a world where that is the vocabulary of the design. Or similarly, if it's just a table and chairs that get moved around the stage, begin to do that by the end of the opening so the audience begins to establish a context for what they're seeing. And then later, you can surprise them by the way you're using those things. But without setting up, these are my tools, you will never surprise them by the way you've used the tools. Yeah, that's actually just a very interesting thing about the nature of the beginning of the show, is it's the one moment in the show where the audience will always believe you. Mm-hmm. You know, what yes. they, they have not yet become acclimated to the world. They do not yet have things that they can say, wait, that doesn't make sense because of what happened in the scene before. That's the one moment where they will go with you any place you take them, and you have to take advantage of that moment of utter trust by the audience to take them to the place you want them to start the experience of the show. And that includes in terms of the way they see the world, rules of the world, the way they see the characters, the way they see the design working, the way they see everything. And it also, I think, is something, at least for myself as a director, uh, Matt, you were talking about the design at the, you know, at the beginning of a musical. But I also think that music can be such an important part of the design experience of the beginning of a show, whether it's a musical or a straight play. And, you know, I, I do know something that I tend to like to do often. It's not appropriate for every show. But there's something about finding the right music that has a sense of motion to it that to start it in house lights and then at an appropriate moment where the direction of the music changes to then suck the light out of the space. There's something as sort of a default place to start with an opening of a show that there is something about creating that idea and that's a way that I like to default to to do it but always to find the way to sort of drop the audience into the world of the show that you can with the right music and the right light almost create a physical sensation of sort of falling out of the world of sitting in the audience and into the world of the story that that you're going to do and I find it's something that on one hand you need the opening moment to be about entering this world but it also needs to be in some part about leaving the other world and again I find that 
that sort of dance of how you work with music and lights in bringing us out of house lights and into the show can be a very useful place to do that. Um, I actually know uh, uh, Next to Normal did that so incredibly well. They said, you, you know, it was in house lights. like I am ready for whatever happens next and there's just something about if you can create that moment for an audience at the beginning of almost any show basically actually what you do is sort of that moment of trust we were talking about you buy yourself an extra few moments and uh, yeah that's just I think a helpful thing that's not even about the beginning of the show as much as it is about the end of before the show a show that I was working on recently, uh, Black Comedy by Peter Schaffer, uh, has a very specific design problem at the very beginning, which is the, the conceit of the show is that the lighting is reversed from our natural world, meaning the show is about a blackout that happens in a London apartment. And for the first five minutes of the play, the lights are on for the characters, but it's a blackout for the audience and when the blackout happens in the apartment the stage lights come up and the characters stumble around in the dark uh, for the rest of the play so the question that me and the designers kind of had the challenge was is that when the play started in the dark how could the audience know this wasn't a terrible technical mistake and that this was in fact what was supposed to be happening you know the, the first line of the play is how does the room look and that needed to get a laugh uh, or else I didn't think that the audience would be clear on what was happening. So um, what we ended up, we tried a bunch of things, but what we ended up uh, landing on was, you know, the normal sequence of events is house announcement, house to half, house out, lights up. So we did house announcement, lights got brighter, lights got brightest, blackout. Which, was, it, which is, to us, was the reverse of what the natural order is. And so even though I don't know that the audience was totally aware of that direct link, it already prepared us for something different is happening right now. And there was music that was playing along with this that had a big climactic bang, which then left us in a blackout to, how does the room look? And luckily, it got a laugh. But um, yeah, that was just a tricky beginning that... We luckily, had, we luckily had some previews and were able to tweak some things to land at that decision. What about as actors? I mean, candidly, I think probably people don't conceive of actors as having as much control over what a beginning is as a writer or a director has. But do you guys think about the opening moment of a show differently than you think about other moments in the show? I think as I'm working on the play, I'm not thinking about that at all. But I, I do take very seriously the, um, the way that, uh, something you said earlier, Kid, about a lot of times the story is told based on the reaction of the characters to some kind of information. And so I am always tracking throughout the process what, what do I know here. And so the one thing that is different for me about the beginning of a play is making sure that I don't already 
come into it as the character knowing the end of the play. Yeah. So ma making sure that I'm starting out the play at the place where the character is starting the play and letting the new information come to me as the character gets it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's really important. And in working with actors, you know, that idea of the flip side of it too, which is to be sure that they are aware of information that they do have but we just don't know that they have yet. Because right. that can very often make a really dynamic moment in an opening sequence where, again, you see a flash of something from a character that you as an audience member don't yet understand. And I also think that a big part of it is to think about it differently to be sure you're not thinking about it differently. You know, that idea of to be sure that you are beginning the play at the beginning, that you're not ambling into the play, that you're not waiting for the play to start around you. But even if the idea is, the opening moment is, I'm sitting and eating cereal, getting ready for work bef before somebody comes to the door, that you're sitting and specifically eating cereal with your specific plan for the day and hopefully there is something good. You are already in a play. You are, are that opening moment is a play-worthy moment. Even if somebody knocks on the door and it turns out you're in a different play than you thought you were in, to be sure that you are not in neutral at the beginning of the play, but that you are actively engaged in your character's life. And you want to make sure as an actor that you start the play with the expectation of how your day is going to go. That then gets foiled or whatever, but to have those specific ideas of, of where you think the day is going. And I think that's what we're talking about, you know, in all of these elements, whether we're talking about on the page or in the production, that the beginning moments of the play are it's our responsibility to set those expectations for the audience and for the reader. I think that's a good place to wrap up. If you'd like to learn more about the Cry Havoc Company, our upcoming public events, our classes, our new play development programs, and how you can support the podcast and our other free programming, go to www.cryhavoccompany.org. You can follow us on Twitter at CryHavocNYC or find us on Facebook as The Cry Havoc Company. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast in the iTunes store. And while you're there, please write us a review and give us a rating. It helps other people find the podcast. So for myself, Jen, Jenny, Matt, Jen, and everyone at The Cry Havoc Company, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. at the Cry Havoc Company at cryhavoccompany.org. Questions or comments can be sent to podcasts at cryhavoccompany.org. All music from this show came from the Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe. <laughs>